Pump speed, don't rainbow read me, nigga. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. I called the head of Payless. All right, yeah. Look, we got, look, man, we got royalty in the building. Yes, sir. We do, we do. Okay, listeners, you guys are in for a treat. Today, we have the infamous RJ coming through with some experiences and stories that I am so excited for him to share with you guys. RJ, do you want to, you know what, RJ, we're going to go ahead and, and I'm going to let Trilly St. Clair go ahead and get into his thing, we'll get into our spiel, and then we're going to get into RJ. Let me, let me, let me, let me bring this in, so. I'm going to put it to you like this, listeners. So the first time I ever saw or met a celebrity as a youth, first of all, it was this man here because I, I hadn't known anybody that had as many diamonds as this man had at the time as a young boy. I was like, wow, I was fascinated with his with his rings. He had his rings. His son had rings too. Like his son was a splitting image of him back in the day. We used to call him Wee Man. So I ain't going to say his name yet until I get him on the show too. He got some stories as well. But uh, I would tell you, uh, as a young man, at at tender age of about nine, um, I remember walking down Everton off of 105 in St. Clair, um, walking down the street. Um, I saw a crowd forming, right? So we get to jogging, like, man, what's going on? What's going on? Get down there, and who I see exiting the car, the godfather of soul, James Brown. And before, even before then, I seen a man I already knew, so automatically I got comfortable. I'm like, wait a minute. You know that's that's RJ. You know what I mean. So he was like, "Yeah, man, come 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 meet the man." So you know, met him. Very earthy man at the time. Rest in peace to one of the greatest uh, entertainers that this world has ever got a chance to see, James Brown. Um, yes, he was. Yeah, it was just an excellent moment because at that time that was like, I mean, if you from where we from, you know, like I had me and him, we've had conversations over the week. The first time I really seen a husband, a, a wife. In my eyes, a, a man and woman, strong family dynamic, close to the Huxtables, but way cooler, was Johnson House. You know what I mean? So every every new new video game came out. You went to the Johnson House and played it with we man. You know we played we used to play Nintendo. We played uh uh Bad Dudes and Bayou, Bad Dudes of the Bayou, and all these weird games used to come out on Nintendo and all this stuff. And we used to we have a ball, Atari. huh? <laughs> Atari. Atari. Yep, it was Atari. We did that. My first time sitting in the in a Mercedes Benz was in their driveway. He had a blue one that I just I love the color of it. It was like I forget. It was like a dark blue. You remember yeah. that car, right? I remember. Yeah, man. So I got a lot of memories. You know, being at the Johnson house. You know, with RJ and um, it was just awesome seeing that and very earthy. You know, you could tell that there was a, a sense of success in the air, but nobody ever gave you that. We better than you. They was all hood guys. It was just nice. Even even James Brown, he was a hood guy, but he had an air about him that was like royalty. Like you was like, wow, you know, I'm in the midst of, of something that's dope, you know. And it was a yeah. and it felt attainable. Like you know, after talking to him, it was like, man, like I could probably do something like this one day in life. You know, they didn't make it feel like it was out of touch. So again, I thank you for for allowing we, us we, to play. We're all human beings, you know. Oh yeah, we come from the same. Uh, Come from the same club. We come from nothing. Yes, sir. You know, 
James Brown came from nothing. I came from nothing. His mother, father struggled. My mother and father struggled. I mean, it was, it was what it was. I met him at the age of uh, 12. And it's like, uh, I stayed with him from that moment on until the day he died, you know. Uh, we had a lot of history together. We had a lot of, uh, a lot of everything. We, I mean, he raised me. He watched me grow up. Uh, he watched me start a family. He talked to my kids. I mean, it, it was crazy, our relationship, the way it evolved over a 40, 50-year period. You know, to know somebody like that and have somebody like that in your life for those many years is a tremendous blessing. And that's all you can really call it. The man took me from St. Clair to Paris, I'll put it like that, to Moscow, to Hong Kong, mm. to New Zealand, mm. to Sydney, Australia, Tasmania. Where I mean, where is it I haven't been? I've been to places people only see on television, all because of James Brown. You know, um, it was fantastic. And for a young kid to meet a superstar and be befriended by that superstar and then end up replacing that superstar on stage has never happened in the history of show business before. But I did it. And we're going to definitely uh, get more into that, RJ. We want to uh, definitely get into more of the, that, too. I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, that's, that's just that's just a, a summary of what went down in my lifetime, you know. And thank you for sharing that, too, because that is actually a really good, <laughs> good way to get into our introduction. So welcome to another episode of Unapologetic Advice Podcast. I'm your co-host, Gemini. And I'm Trilly St. Clair. And I'm the man's. And as we, we got the man's. Yeah, and as we just said, I want to officially welcome Roosevelt Johnson, RJ, one of the greats. So please, we're going to welcome you officially now that we got through in this intro. Well, thank you for having me. For sure. Make sure you guys check out the show notes. I'm not even going to get into too much of the all, all our uh, other stuff that we do. Just check the show notes because I want to talk about RJ. I want to talk about RJ. So RJ, you, you touched on a lot of things as you gave a very de descriptive and good introduction. Uh, I wanted to ask you, we wanted to ask you, uh, mm -hmm. How did you get involved in your line of work? And just go ahead and start telling us a little bit about your experience. It started at WJMO Radio. I don't know how familiar you are with that, Ooh. but it was the old so 14. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not from Cleveland, so I, I have oh, no well, idea. <laughs> I remember uh, it as a little boy. I remember WJMO. Uh, that's where all this started. At. I used to hang out with the DJs there. And they introduced me to a lot of stars. I hung out with Smokey Robinson, Marvin Gaye, The Temptations, Aretha Franklin. Uh, I, I used to hang out at Leo's Casino. Ooh, that was and my mama's anybody, spot. Anybody black in the music business, if you were in it, you played Leo's Casino. 
I'm gonna have to pause you here, RJ. I'm I'm not from Cleveland, so what is Leo's Casino? Oh, <laughs> Leo's Casino was a nightclub. Okay, okay. And it was uh, it's where everybody came to perform. If you if you didn't play Leo's, you wasn't nobody. Okay. You know, you didn't mean anything. So they had from Stevie Wonder to Ray Charles. Everybody played Leo's, and I hung out there as a kid. I hung out, like I say, with Marvin Gaye, Smokey and the Miracles, uh, The Temptations. We were cool. I mean, I was a kid, but they they treated me like one of the fellows because I was I was clean. I was I was cool. You know, I wasn't. I was a different kind of young man. I put it like that. Yes, sir. And uh, that's where I got hung up. I didn't want. I never wanted to be in show business. I never wanted to be on stage and perform and do all of that. But being with these kind of people, it kind of drew me into it by accident. So, I mean, when you, you hanging out with, you know, you hanging out, just you just sitting down at the table talking to Smokey Robinson about life in general or music or songs that he wrote. I mean, this is, you talking Smokey Robinson here, you know? Right. Uh, what what kid gets to do that? You see what I'm saying? So, in in to make a long story short, I got hooked on soul music, okay. soul artists, and the pretty girls that hung out with them. Hey. Okay. I mean, I just I'm I'm sorry. I just I saw what they were doing. I saw what they had. I saw who they were with, and I got spoiled. And I must say, um, it lasted me a lifetime. Because from Leo's Casino, uh, I was still cool with James Brown. James Brown gave me a job. He told me when I finished school, he was going to put me to work. And he definitely kept his word. When I got out of school, James Brown gave me a job promoting his records all over the country. I would have a briefcase full of his records and I would take the uh, Greyhound. They had a, what they call an Ameripass. And I would take it anywhere a black radio station was and I'd bring in the new James Brown and they couldn't wait to get it. Wow. You know, so um, the, the whole thing just, it, it evolved over the years. He gave me different things to do. And we got closer and closer. Um, and I, like I said, it lasted until that fateful December day, that Christmas day when he uh, passed away, you know. Um, and then it took me seven years to make my mind up because the band wanted to work again. Gotcha. But they wanted to work again as the James Brown band. But they didn't know who could do the singing. So... They knew when James Brown didn't feel like going to rehearsal or sound check, he would send me. So they knew I could do the music and the songs. So they their thing was like, if you do the songs, we'll play the music. I said, listen, let me tell you something. Y'all are not going to get me on stage and make me look like uh, an idiot. Nobody can replace James Brown. Forget about it. But what I, I told, but what I will do, if you want, we can stick to the music and do the songs like they were done. 
and in turn that's what i did you can see it on youtube you can pick it up on google google or whatever just go to rj and the james brown band you can see what we put together it's kind of like uh i became james brown in music i didn't do all of the dancing and the messing doing the splits and all that old kind of care you know that wasn't what i did it for because he was a different kind of cat. It's very few entertainers that can work as hard as he did and still put on the show too. So what I did was presented the people with the music and they loved it. They couldn't believe what was coming out on stage when we took the stage. And I'm telling you to this day, we never ever rehearsed. We just took the stage and did it. That's how remarkable his band is and i was at doing his music we never had one day's rehearsal we just came together seven years after he died in france and took the stage and did it wow so it was crazy so but, i mean what about the set list like you just be like call it out or or like what 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 i did was before we took off for france i sent everybody a list of the songs that we were going to do and i told them just do your part <laughs> And it was as simple as that. All right. Do what you do, right. and I'll take care of the rest. Don't even worry about the rest. Everybody do what they do, and we and we got this. So right. I took the four backup singers, the 12 musicians, and the Cape man, Danny Ray, as the MC, which was the James Brown's longtime Cape man and MC. Uh, you see him on the YouTube, too. He just passed away a couple of years ago himself. So, RJ, um, I'm going to put the links to all the materials that I can find in our show notes. I, I think this is a good segue to ask, how did you get into music itself? Now, I think that that's important because to be able to, to perform or sing or do anything with music, like usually people have some level of like a background or experience of some sort. Like I can't sing at all. I, I, I okay. can't hold I can't hold I'll, tune. Um, so I'll what, tell what you is, how I've yeah. done that. <laughs> My brother, God rest his soul, was in a group called Seven Miles High, which was a, a local group performing around Cleveland with a guy named Lou Raglan. And uh, they used to play in a place called the Kinsman Grill on Kinsman Avenue in Cleveland. Okay. And um, I stopped by one night and uh, they were doing a show and they asked me did I want to do something and I'm like no <laughs> I don't you know because uh, that's not what I do I wasn't finna get up on stage and sing no song and, and do all that kind of stuff that's not what I did you know but uh, a couple of weeks after that they had asked me when I come to rehearsal and I did it. I went to rehearsal and I did Love and Happiness by Al Green. And uh, I came to the same Kinsman Grill and did it in their um on this in their stage act, you know. And it went over so well, I like, okay, this might be something here. I might be able to do this. <laughs> you know, and uh 
it went from there. I started doing Al Green. I started doing Teddy Pendergrass. Uh, oh, I was showing out. I did anything the ladies like. That's what I would do. You know, and man, oh man, I I took a different girl home every night. I was it, it got it got I crazy. Bet. I bet those are not easy songs. <laughs> I, and I levels. just you know, I mean, but I was having fun. I was young, and I was having fun. I didn't know any better. I mean, you know, I didn't have a family. I was single. I could do what I wanted to do, and wooing the ladies was was you know, I'm acting like some of my friends, Jackie Wilson, Smokey Robinson, and stuff. You know, I. They, Knowing these people, I'm like, hey, this might be something I can do. So that was the beginning of singing on stage. That's how, that's how I got a, a knack for knowing that I could do it. And I never really had stage fright or was nervous about doing it. I mean, you know, I've sang in front of a million people before when we did Woodstock. So hey, RJ. The, crowd, the, the crowd don't bother me. <laughs> question for you so what we, like, what we like to do on the show is we like to and this is actually a great moment to you know talk about advice um so now that we're in where you started what kind of advice would you have for someone i know that you know music has changed for a lot of people uh mm -hmm. today but what has what is your advice for musicians who want to be in this game for for a while what is your advice to those individuals to how to keep that longevity like you have had a great career? So so how do you get that? What is what's the sauce to that? Very simple. Don't ever record a song you can't play for your mother. Okay. Okay. Mm. <laughs> That's a gem right there. Yeah. That's heavy. Simple as that. I can respect that, because I mean if you can play it for your mama, you can play it for anybody. There you go. So this is a good, another follow-up question to that. Um, to piggyback on that, we know obviously some of them are not playing that for their mama. Um, if you had to compare the times, although, you know, I, I, I would say music-wise, it's a little, it's, it's a little rough. It's you know, it's a little rough <laughs> compared to in the past. At least there was no, some mystery, it's, right? It's it's not rough. It's terrible. There you go. Okay. You turn the radio station on, you hear the same 10 records all day long. You know, I mean, they throw in a bunch of commercials and a bunch of stuff in between. But music wise, you hear the same music all day long and they pushing what they want to push. When I was in radio, you could bring a record in the radio station and we could put it on if we wanted to or not. It was just that simple. Now everything is controlled. It's nothing on the airwaves but garbage. If you take, they took, as black people, we were in town here listening to a radio station called The Wave. Mm. 1073 The Wave. Oh man, mm -hmm. that's classic. Even they, I know that they one. Took that, they took that away from us and put it, out, they just abolished it because yeah, it, it played music. Yeah. It was playing Al Jiro, it was playing uh, uh, jazz. I mean, good. It was just doing what we. It was playing comfort music, okay. But they don't want that. They want bitch better have my money and all that kind of stuff. I mean, come on, really. <laughs> this is what they forcing upon you. So it's kind of like you really have to dig deep in the archives and 
go to Pandora or something like that if you really want to hear some real music. Because you're not going to get it on the airwaves. You're just not going to get it. It's over. Do you think that there is opportunity for uniqueness in the market itself? Or do you think it's just it's just totally changed the game? Like the hustle is just different because of Let me tell the you tight nip when, on that. When you look at these, when you look at these uh, shows like America's Got Talent or American Idol and stuff, you know the winners are singing. Yeah, they, they okay, singing they're singing old songs, mm. classic songs, and they're winning. But when they get out here in the mainstream after they win, then they got to do garbage. They can't do what brought them to town. You understand what I'm saying? Not things done changed. That's true. They don't right. want that all of a sudden. Like Ruben stuttered. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really bad. She didn't win, but you know, she, you know, her career wasn't the same, nor was uh, the baby mama. Ooh. I'm saying, oh, Fantasia. It's, it's really, Fantasia, yeah. It's a sad business now. It yeah. really is. Yeah, man. It but, really is. And she ain't blow up. She, uh, I remember Franklin. I remember when Fantasia won. Go. She wasn't supposed to win. That girl from Oakland really should have won. I can't think of her name, but I know she was from Oakland, California. That and she should have, she beat, she beat the shit out of Fantasia. She really did. Singing. Wise. I feel like, I feel like that was uh, Jennifer Hudson. Mm, might have been. Cause no, it wasn't Jennifer Hudson. It wasn't Jennifer Hudson, though, was it? No, it was, no. Jennifer Hudson's not from Oakland. No, she's from this Chicago. Girl, she got cut, like, before that final round or whatever. This girl never surfaced again once Jennifer, once Fantasia beat her. We ain't heard from her no more. Yeah, that's real. But, Diana, you know, it is, it is what it is, you know. Yeah, yeah, you never heard. Yeah, Jennifer Hudson was on that, but she was seventh. That's what I'm saying. Like, she got put out like a round or two before the finals. It was a young Caucasian Mm -hmm. lady. And then when she showed up, when they did a little reunion, she blew everybody ass out. Oh, okay. She went crazy. I said, okay. And right after that, she started, right after that, it was like, oh, we need her from Dream Girls. She started. I I got a show for them. It's called Who Can Sing Soul. All right. Okay. We're going to bring that back. You can be a group, a duo. You can be like Marvin and Tammy. You can be like the Temps. You can be whatever. Just sing some soul, you know? Mm. Let's do that. It's going to be hard for some people got, to do that. got to create singing again. Do you know the these audition. young people? These young people don't even know how to dance. Mm. Man, I, I, I asked a young couple, I said, have y'all ever danced together? He said, man, that's gay. Don't nobody do that. I'm like, what? Uh, what? what is you ain't never danced with your girlfriend, man? She started laughing, you know. Wow. Because when you go out to the club, you see the girls dancing with each other. The fellas standing all up on the wall and talking to each other and carrying on. They ain't dancing mm-hmm. with the girls. You see very few guys, if any, dance with a woman on the dance floor. Right. They just don't do it. I couldn't wait to get on the floor with a girl. Mm-mm-mm. Back in the you know day, that I'm was saying? me. I mean, it's just nuts how things have changed. I mean, nobody is even dancing anymore. And forget about slow dancing. That's not even going to happen. I mean, it might I mean, it's just got to, you know, you turn her around and, you know, do all that. You know, yeah, you got to think bend, about it. They want to bend her over and all that. I'm like, no, I want to I want to dance. Think about it. It's not it's nothing going on. You get a lot of lap dancing. I mean, what what is that? I mean, really? You gonna give me a lap dance? You gonna be in my room back there? You know? There you go. We definitely ain't gonna be in the club. It is happening. That's, they, they might as well go ahead and head out. 
Check man. <laughs> nah, that's I'm real. telling you, yeah. it's it's so sad, you know. But what can you do? Yeah. Yeah. But but it's all um, right. So I okay. So I want to ask you this, um, and I know we talk we talk quite a bit throughout throughout the week. What would you say was your greatest moment? Uh, that well, I, better yet, let me rephrase that. What was the moment when you knew that you had arrived in your career? Like when you knew that you like, okay, I'm definitely somebody in this position that I'm in right now. I would say it's been several of them. Okay. Uh, performing at Woodstock in '99. Uh, being on stage with Michael Jackson and James Brown at the same time. I remember that. I mean. That was, you know, you don't get no better than that. Who, where they do that at? You know what I'm saying? Right, right. How many people can you talk to to say I was on stage dancing and singing with Michael Jackson and James Brown? Just you the people who was I on mean, stage with you. Just the people. Yeah, right. <laughs> just you, you and the James Brown band. That's it. There you go. Very few. And they were just they was playing the music. They wasn't singing and dancing. Exactly. You know. <laughs> I mean. Uh, being at the uh, the White House uh, when Mr. Brown got the uh, uh, what is that award award they give you the Kennedy Center Honors mm-hmm. uh, man it's just so many 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 moments uh, being with the uh, being with the Queen of England in London and Buckingham Palace. Uh, I've been with uh, people, you know, I'm a black kid off St. Clair. I ain't got no business with these people, but I was there. I was blessed enough to be there. Right. You know, and I consider if I was blessed enough to be there, I earned the right to be there. So there it is. Everything I've done, I think I've, uh, earned the right to do it and I don't take it for granted because I know I've done things most people only dream about when it comes to you know private jets limousines first class hotels royal treatment and you haven't spent a dime of your own money where does that happen it does yeah ain't no ain't no and, uh, and on top of that you're getting paid and, on top of, and right. you're getting paid on top of all of that so how can you not be appreciative of a life like that you know but December 6th I mean December 25th 06 it came crashing down you know um, when James Brown died uh that was a rough blow on the whole shebang. Everybody that had anything to do with it. Right. Especially me, because I was closer to him than his kids were. You know, I washed his dirty underwear. They never done that. So, uh, I lost a lot. I lost a friend. I lost father figure, I lost a brother, I lost a 
I, I lost everything, you know, because I basically lived out of his pockets. You know what I'm saying? He right. he would always tell me if I look bad, he look bad right. because I'm with him all the time. So he made sure I never look bad. He made sure my kids never look bad because if my kids look bad, I look bad and he ain't going to look bad. He gave them everything they wanted. You know, I'm like, Mr. Brown, they don't need this. Not, not they got to have it. Get it? Yeah. Mr. Brown, okay, whatever. You know. Yeah, I remember I remember Wee Man's uh, uh, allowance. <laughs> he couldn't wait. Just, he, used to, he used to stun on us so much. I'm like, man. <laughs> it was, I mean, you know, he, he spoiled me. He spoiled my children. And, uh, the last thing he did was gave, I had two granddaughters at the time of his death. Um, the last thing he did was gave them $150 a piece on Christmas Eve and he died Christmas day. So my two granddaughters that I had at the time are the last two people he gave money to before he passed away. Hmm. You know, Yeah. he asked me how much money did I have in my pocket? And I told him I got about $300. And he said, well, give that to your two grandbabies and tell them that's from me for Christmas. I said, okay, Mr. Brown, I'll do that right now. And he was supposed to give me my money back when I got to the hospital <laughs> in Atlanta. Yeah. Christmas Day. But, you know, we all know what happened. Right, so, right. Castillo owed me $300. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Right, oh, man. So, I got I got a couple questions because you know, like it, I've heard about several Cleveland connections that, um, you know, with the band and everything. So, like, what Boosie Collins is from Cleveland, right? Cincinnati. No, Boosie Collins. Boosie okay. Collins is from Cincinnati. Okay. But James Brown did get all of his clothes made here in Cleveland. Okay. By a guy named uh, Curtis Gibson did his stage outfits. And his personal clothes. So a lot, everything you saw him wear pretty much came from Cleveland, cause that's where he got his stuff made. You know, a lot of people don't know that, but he did. I got some questions about them clothes, cause he was he was moving. Was it like some some stretchy material? Cause, cause he was no, you know, okay, so no, it was just in there. All only, right. only thing only thing stretched was him. All right. And he paid for it in his later years. You know, I mean. When you if you look at James Brown and you look at all of them splits, right? All of them drop downs on the knees. Think of that going on for forty years, night after night. Okay, night after night after Vegas, night. Paris, Belgium, wherever, wherever you was a at. Hard it's a hard stage flow that you're doing that on, right? And it took its toll on him. You know, I mean, there were nights we had to get up in the middle of the night and rub cramps and things out of his legs, you know, just to stop the pain. You know, uh, it was tough. You know, like I said, he was he was 73 years old when he died. And he was still doing 90-minute shows. You know, so... We were on our way to do shows when he died. We, that's why I was going down. That's when we go to BB King's Club in New York and do the New Year's Eve show. Okay. But it didn't happen. 
That's a good segue for one of the questions that I had. I was going to ask, what future endeavors do you have going on? Is there anything you want us to also promote? So I make sure I put that into the, the notes as well. You know what? I'm not doing anything unless uh, the band wants to go back to work. If they call us to do something, I'll do that. But other than that, I'm going to sit back and watch the Browns, the Indians, the Cavs, and enjoy life my granddaughters and just chill you know that's right i done been i've been where that i haven't been what else did i want to do you can't you can't hardly get me to go nowhere because i've been there and done that you know um the music sucks <laughs> if any, unless somebody comes to town and performs that i know i ain't going to see anybody because ain't nobody worth seeing I ain't going to see nobody with their pants hanging off their butt and skull cap on. That's crazy. That don't make no sense to me. Right. You know, um, if Smokey come to town, I go see him. He 80-something years old, but he's still doing shows. Right. You know, uh, Patti LaBelle still performs. Gladys Knight still works when she can. Uh, I got a few friends still left in the business. Uh, other than that, I'm chilling and having fun, you know? Right, I, I got some, I got a question to have a little fun with a little bit. It, maybe I mean maybe it might have been serious business, but again, you know, I, I did a little little YouTube digging and I heard that there was like, you know, some things with Rick James that that kind of went on a little bit where you know it was maybe like a a, 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 a small feud type of thing that was happening. Never. Okay. Never. With Dane, Dane Brown were cool. Yeah, I heard they was very cool. I know. Um, they were cool. I heard somebody shot up. Somebody. Oh, him and Ron, him and Ronald Isley. Oh, that's they had like. words. Okay, back in the day. I you, don't know who it was, but I know it wasn't uh, Mr. Brown and Rick James because nah. they were cool. Okay, nah. Rick James idolized James Brown. I mean, listen to his music. Where you think he got it from? Yeah, yeah. If I, you listen to Rick James band, what do it sound like? No, that's real. There you go. That's real. I know um it was Ronald Isley and James Brown had a thing. And they and they well, Ronald Ronald I, James Brown took a song uh took some music that the Isley brothers had did. It's your they when they did It's Your Thing, James Brown recorded uh one of his female artists, Marva Whitney. It's my thing. And it sounded the same as the Ivory Brothers. And that's where the problem came in with the music. Okay. And they awarded the Ivory Brothers the rights to the song. Because it did sound like it's your thing. Okay. They just changed, James Brown just changed the words to it's my thing. Okay. But the music was basically the same. If you Google them up, you'll see what I'm talking about. You know? Yeah, I did see something about that. I did see something about that. But all right, they yeah. pieced it up and it wasn't like a big issue. No, it's just, just who get the money. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Show do squeal when it comes to the dollar bill. You know? All day. All day. <clears throat> Man, I wanted to definitely. I mean, you guys got any? I only have one and it's a wrap up question. So if you guys have other ones, go before me. No, I, I don't. Knock I don't. yourself out. <laughs> RJ, you didn't you didn't pretty much did it for me, man. I mean, all, all like I said, I I don't have questions. I just have moments. 
You know what I mean? Okay. Like me and you were talking, like I told you, you guys were like the hustlers. You know what I mean? Funny because I remember before I knew that you worked with James Brown, your son was like, yeah, man, my, my father drive trucks. And I'm like, he, he a truck driver. Like he never, <laughs> he never would tell me what you did. You get what I'm saying? So I guess- They didn't want nobody to know. They, you know, they was like, we ain't, you know. And I remember- My, kid, uh, my son and my daughter never wanted nigga, but they, they, you know, they hated when I showed up on TV and doing stuff, you know, cause they, it was like, they would have to hear about it in school the next day, you know, yeah. anybody that knew me. Right. And didn't know what I do. A lot of people thought I was a drug dealer. Yeah. Cause I had fancy cars and, and drove. I, I had nice clothes and I, I guess I did look like a, a pimp or a drug well, dealer. I, well, I told you the first time I had seen so many clusters of diamonds um, was outside of, uh, who was that? Don King's pool hall that was down the street back in the day and you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Before they mm -hmm. closed it, you know what I mean? Cause you had mm -hmm. the pool hall right there, not far from their street. But um, yeah. the only the first time I found out what you did, your daughter mentioned it. Your oldest daughter. Um, she was like, yeah, "Oh yeah, one door." Exactly. Well, you already know. You know, I'm yeah. I'm trying not to say names. I know she does a few things as well on social media. I'm gonna get her on here as well. She got some mm -hmm. things she does with the women that's pretty that's pretty awesome. I'm gonna be speaking to oh, her. Yeah. She Yes, we're going to be speaking to her in a couple of weeks, too. I'm going to reach out to her as well um, once she hears this. She's glad to do Yeah, oh, yeah. She's, she's been, she speaks life into women. It's awesome. You guys got We mm -hmm. we definitely going to have her on the show. But um, She get it from her daddy. There you go. There you go. So the first time, she was like, well, you know, my daddy worked with a superstar. Ooh. <laughs> you tell him, sis. You oh, tell yeah. Him. Oh, yeah. Don't come oh, up yeah. talking to me crazy. Oh, yeah. She was, that was like, uh. <laughs> She had to be like 14 at the time. Uh, me, her, and, and, and Sean. Oh, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she was like, yeah, well, my daddy worked with a superstar. My daddy ain't no drug dealer. Your daddy might sell drugs, but mine don't. Ooh, I you said, love her, oh. girl. She was, <laughs> she was talking that talk. You remember little Mookie and, and the stewards that stayed on the corner mm -hmm. of y'all street? Yeah, they, yeah she, they still cool. They still mm -hmm. cool, right? They still there. The whole family still there. So she was talking that talk. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm like, yeah, okay. Cause you know, in, in in our neighborhood, if you had a lot going on and your house was nice, you had things going on, you know, it, it was some paraphernalia being moved. But I'm like, I've never saw that over there. You know what I mean? But like yeah. I said, until we didn't know what was going on till that day I jogged up the street in my little tank top and my shorts. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, meet the Godfather of Soul. And I'm like, wait a minute, I done seen this man on TV dancing. <laughs> everything else and he was larger than life you know but yeah that that was it i don't have a question i just like i said i have moments um i remember a lot of christmases stopping by the johnson house you know when you ain't got no money you go to the people with the money house and you watch the kids <laughs> open their gifts and like, wow this is what life looked like oh yeah oh wow oh yeah yeah and no it, it, we was all family you know we was all in the neighborhood um it didn't matter whoever it the way our situation was set up, if you came to my house, you got a plate. Mm -hmm. You go to the Johnson's house, you got a plate. You go down the street to uh, Curly and them, you got a Bible verse and a plate. <laughs> you you know, throughout the neighborhood, we it was different then. Everybody took care of everybody. Everybody See, yeah, was, you know, if you was thirsty, I could jog to anybody's house and get a glass of Kool-Aid or some water or whatever. Actual community. If I wanted to, yeah, if I wanted to play a video game, I'm going to go see Wee Man. Wee Man got the latest game. 
you know, and that's just how our whole thing was structured, you know. So a lot of good memories. Thank you for being you, RJ. You you was always welcoming at your house. You know what I mean? Well, so I never felt like I, nobody ever felt like an outsider at the Giants house. I will say that. No, we didn't play that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, no. Did you have anything else before I get into my last part? Yeah, RJ, for me, you know, like, thank you, you know, for, for being a legend and, and putting it, you know, in. I don't know about being a legend, but, you know. Uh, you, you are to me. I'm a big fan I'm, of music. I'm still here. <laughs> I mean, no, living legend. Living yeah. legend. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I'm yeah. just, well, even, even that, I, I don't think I've, uh, to me, I haven't achieved uh, legend status. I don't, I don't, because I, I haven't. I mean, I, I only did what I was called upon to do. You know what I'm saying? I didn't set out to do anything. Everything I did came by accident, or because go. I just happened to be there at the right time. I, I mean, I, <clears throat> I had no business being in the movie Tuxedo singing Sex Machine with Jackie Chan. Right. But I did, you know. And, uh, I ended up in this being in the Blues Brothers, but I did it. Oh, man, I didn't uh, even mention that. <laughs> I, I just was able to be um, blessed and have a, a fortunate life to do some things like that and still stay here in Cleveland, Ohio. I never left. Right. Out of all of the things I did, I always took my flight back home to Cleveland. You couldn't get me out of Cleveland. I wasn't going nowhere. I represented everywhere I went. I wore my Indians jersey, my Browns jersey, my Cavs jersey, everywhere I went, all over the world. People tried to buy my jerseys off my back, and I wouldn't sell them, you know. Yes, sir. But uh, speaking of all always, over the world, where is your favorite return place? I always to Cleveland. I could have lived anywhere I wanted to. Right. You know, but I always came back here to deal with these three months of snow <laughs> and, then the, and then the nine months of good weather. What the heck? You know. There you go. And all the places you've been, what would you say would, would, would have been your favorite destination or tour spot with Mr. Brown? There's a place at the bottom. If you look at a map and look at Africa, there is an island at the bottom of Africa. It looks like a little round dot. It's called Reunion Island. On this island, every race on the planet is on this island. They mix, they mingle, they marry. You have black people with blonde hair and blue eyes. You have black Asian people. You have uh, white people with nappy hair and blue eyes. It's, I mean, it's just, it's almost like this place is like the world is supposed to be, you know? Mm. And there is no racism. There is no separatism. Nobody is this, that, or the other. They don't treat everybody because everybody there is mixed with everybody there. Mm. Reunion you know, eyes. It's called Reunion Island, mm. and it's the most unbelievable place I've ever been in my life. Okay, it's the most beautiful place I've been to in my life. The plane 
couldn't almost, it almost skidded across the island. It was so small, you know, but 747 landed there and took off too. So it's good. It's a nice place. And if you ever get to go there, I would suggest to go there and visit and see what the world is meant to be like. That's in real truth, you know? That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, that That's a positive note. And that's kind of my last question was, if you could give a final positive note to someone looking to break in the industry, what would you tell them? I would tell them, pray. Because the industry has changed so much till you almost don't want to get in it because of the things you're going to have to go through, you're going to have to deal with, you're going to have to, uh, I mean, it, it's just, it's nothing like it used to be. And everybody wants a piece of you for whatever reason, because you can make them money more so than you can yourself. So you really have to watch what you're doing nowadays. You just can't jump into this business and think you know something because you really don't. This business will gobble you up, spit you out, and won't care nothing about you. I've seen it over and over and over again. Artists disappear in a hurry. It's hard to stay current. So if you want to get in this business, you better pray. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. Gotcha. And make songs that you want your mama to listen to. Your mama to hear. You know? There you go. I'm going to do a protect your energy. I think it goes well with what RJ just said. Um, the quote is from TFIPost.com. It says, the best way to protect your peace of mind and energy is by keeping a focus on what matters most, you and your purpose. There you go. There you go. So I just wanted to thank you for taking your time to speak with us, to share your experiences, and to be available because you did not have to speak with us. And we appreciate your time, your energy, and your contributions to the industry and to our podcast. So thank you so much for being here and sharing time with us, which is Listen, invaluable. I'm glad you had me. I don't mind speaking because one day I ain't going to be able to say nothing. You know, so... I would advise, I tell my kids, get it out of me while you can, you know. Right. <laughs> get it out of me while you can, because uh, look around. All my friends are gone. I had four brothers, all of them are gone. I'm the only one left, you know. So, hey, who knows? I don't mind doing anything. I'll talk about it. I'll, I'll sing about it. I'll do whatever I can as long as I can, because mm -hmm. one day, I won't be here to do it. Right. So I have no problem. And and, on and a, thank you for having me. And on a personal level, um, I want to thank you for just being an example in the neighborhood, man. Because you already know, you know what I woke up looking at on a day-to-day -day basis. I, I didn't get to go to Reunion Island. I had to <laughs> walk to my way and Grant's Groceries. And you already know what I looked at, you know, as a kid. But it was always a silver lining. And you showed me that... Uh, I mean hard work and perseverance yeah you made it look good but it still was hard work you know nevertheless it definitely um, was hard work it yeah. wasn't as easy listen it wasn't as easy as it looked right what you saw was the easy part 
Right. And I know, know and I know I was an inquisitive child and I asked a lot of questions, man. And I just appreciated you just, you know what I mean, stopping what, what you had going on at the time and just, just answering a question or two because I used to have a lot of questions about a lot of different things. I try not to be too <laughs> evasive as a kid, but, you know, you always want to know stuff because mm-hmm. what we saw was out of the ordinary. You know, one day Same. you seeing a superstar, the next day, you know, one of your friends is, is, is counting a lot of money. You know, you, you see their dad is right there. He might be cooking. It might be some ribs cooking. All kinds right. of stuff. Stuff you didn't always see in our neighborhood. It's becoming more commonplace now. But at that time, in the eight, late 80s, early 90s, it was like abnormal to see a family structure the way the Johnson house was. Like a exactly. Exactly. So you might not view yourself as a legend, but you're a walking <laughs> legend in our neighborhood, whether you knew it or not. Get what I'm saying? Well, so, I appreciate that. Definitely. And, I, and, I, and I, again, I appreciate your time, brother, for, for, you know, sharing your experiences with us and, you know, just giving just giving some of our listeners, you know, some sauce on how well, how to walk they walk if they do want to actually get into this business and, and you know, you know, just learn learn how to mow your lawn and look at the snakes. You definitely gave, you us, gave us some, some high points. Um, I definitely... Um, there's gonna be a sequel to this one because I do, like I told you, I got my uncle in the dad's band. They want to come on and, and talk a little bit, Mike, Michael. I, I mean, not Michael, but uh, my the, other the uncle dad, Isaac. Yeah. Do you, you know the dad's band was originally called Kinsman Dad? Exactly. That's what I wanted okay. you to say. I wanted you and, to uh, say it and not me. <laughs> because uh, because of the Kinsman Grill, the place that I, I mentioned. Right. That I started singing. They they started there too. Exactly. The and owner that, of that bar got them started as the Kinsman Dads band. Exactly. <clears throat> I wanted you to segue into that because this is going to be the first part of some episodes that we're doing where we just recognize our Cleveland legends. You know what I mean? So you, you know, are, I know a lot of things. I know you do. <laughs> you you might be my consigliere on, on a few other people. I'm gonna reach out to in the city. I'm outside of my uncle, man. But again, I, you know, thank you. Uh, tell the family I said hi. I will be reaching I'll out to your that. daughter pretty soon. Um, okay. And, you know, thank you for your time, man. Okay, no problem. And thank Appreciate you. It's nice, nice to meet you. Nice meeting you also. All right. So this has been another episode of Unapologetic Advice Podcast. I am your co-host, Gemini. I'm Trilly St. Clair. You know what I'm saying? And of course, like I said, we have the legendary RJ that we appreciate so much. Thank you, guys. Make sure you listen to this. I'm glad you listened all the way to the end because this is invaluable. So thank you all for your time. Thank RJ for his time at at so many levels. All right, guys. We out. Peace. Bye.